What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FamilyRoadSports.com. I'm your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Not feeling too good after the last four days, Bob. Not feeling too good. I, th- yeah. I think everyone in Cleveland is in the same boat as me, though. Oh, for sure. It's uh, could not have gone worse <laughs> for, for Cleveland fans. Uh, you know, we were riding a, a huge wave of optimism into these NBA finals, and uh, the Warriors were quick to uh, snuff that out. So uh, obviously we're leading with uh, the, the NBA finals games one and two in the books, uh, the, the opening homestand in, in Golden State a rep and the Warriors laying two beatdowns uh, on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Though, Chris, I, I will say th- the Cavs have put together four competitive quarters uh, over the course of those two games and then four non-competitive quarters, uh, all of them happening in the second half. Um, Chris, I mean, wh- what what is what are your initial thoughts now that we've gotten two games out of this NBA Finals and the Cavs are in the whole 0-2? Well, the initial thoughts are Golden State really is that good. Um, you know, we talked about last week about the depth. Maybe Cleveland would have an advantage there, that Cleveland might be the deeper team once you get past the big four. But I don't I don't think that's the case after what I saw in games one and two. I mean, you, you look at the production Golden State is getting across the board. And, and, and look, when you look at the Warriors bench, you might not see a bunch of guys getting a lot of points, but guys like Andre Iguodala, guys like Sean Livingston, uh, JaVale McGee, they are stepping up and just making plays. You know, they're, they're able to do multiple things and impact the game in ways that, that, that where they don't need to score. And I'm not seeing that out of the Cavs bench. The Cavs bench is largely getting trampled worse than the Cavs overall I mean guys are not stepping up guys are not hitting shots and and J.R. Smith is not a bench player he's started both games but but he in particular is also not stepping up and hitting shots And, and in order for the Cavs to beat this team they are going to have to flex their depth these guys that they got Kyle Korver Derek Williams or Darren Williams excuse me um J.R. Smith, all of these guys, I mean, someone is going to have to come in and be an X factor because right now the Warriors are just getting anything they want offensively, hiding their two best players defensively, and torturing LeBron James and Kyrie Irving with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. You know, everyone says Klay Thompson's had a down playoff, uh, not defensively. He is bringing it on the defensive end. And it is frustrating the Cavs' offense. Uh, Bob, the Cavs are in serious trouble if they don't make some big-time adjustments for one. But but for two, guys have got to step up and execute. I, I think it's more of an execution problem than an adjustments problem. Yeah, f- for sure. I mean, there's a lot to unpack uh, over the course of those two games. Uh, basically, everything that we had hoped for did not come true uh, with these Cavs. One, we, we thought that the bench would lean in favor of, of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, that certainly, like you said, is not the case. And, and mentioning J.R. Smith uh, has completely gone away offensively, uh, put up zero points in game two, only three points in game one. And that, I believe, was the very first field goal the Cavs scored uh, on the very first possession. So J.R. Smith has 
essentially been non-existent offensively for the Cavs. Uh, and then throw in Tristan Thompson as well, a combined eight points over two games and a combined eight rebounds over two games. That is not to be expected. Now, in game one, Kevin Love and LeBron James combined for about 36 rebounds, so they were definitely cleaning the glass, uh, you know, taking some of those numbers away from Thompson. But in game one, offensive rebounds and second-chance possessions went heavily handedly to the Golden State Warriors and, and broke the Cavaliers. So everything we thought that would fall in the Cavs' favor uh, has gone the other way to the Warriors, and you can't just you can't give that to you can't give another advantage to the Warriors when they have. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry leading the charge. Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, uber talented uh, as well in, in that starting unit. Uh, the Cavs have to play perfect ball. The Warriors do not. Uh, that's just how talented they are. And, and the Cavs uh, have been far from perfect. I mean, game one, just rife with turnovers. I think they had about 20 turnovers in game one. Uh, that was a little better in, in game two. But the three-point shooting uh, has not been there in, in either game either. Uh, in game two, only 27% from behind the arc for the Cavs. Um, just everything has not gone their way in Oakland. Now, uh, this is, it's really easy to get depressed after two games in a series because they were both on the road. I, I, I still believe that the Cavs can put up a fight in, in the series, but there uh, is plenty of work to be done. And the Cavs need to look almost like a different team when uh, game three hits in Cleveland. Well, first off, Bob, in game two, the Warriors committed 20 turnovers to the Cavs' nine, yet they still crushed them by 19 points. 132 points despite giving up 20 turnovers. That is exceptionally yeah. depressing if you're a Cavs fan. I mean, how do you score 132 points and commit 20 turnovers in the same game? I mean, you just think about that. If they had cut their turnovers in half to a normal rate, they probably score 150 points and beat the Cavs by a million. I, I just, that's the scary stat that I look at that the Warriors didn't even play a great game in game two and annihilated Cleveland. Now, let's flip the script a little bit. Couple of points of optimism. Number one, the Warriors have only defended home floor. The old saying is a series doesn't start until another team wins on the road. So all that's happened is the Warriors did what they're supposed to do. They did it very effectively, but they did what they're supposed to do. If you're a Cleveland fan, all you got to do is rewind the clock about a month. Remember games one and two in Boston? How the Cavs beat the Celtics by like a 70-point margin. Game two was a 41-point shellacking, set all sorts of records for margin of victory. And what happened in Game 3 when they came back to Cleveland? They lost. I mean, and Isaiah Thomas wasn't even on the floor. So let's not – I know it's easy. I know it's so easy to get depressed and down and think that Golden State is just going to run away with this. But the series really isn't over. The Cavs can bounce back. They have two days to adjust. They're coming home. Uh, I, I, I am still confident that Cleveland can do some things right and I do think they need to make some radical adjustments. First, I think they need to bench J.R. Smith. Uh, look, bring him off the bench, hope he can get hot, but they need to start Iman Shumpert, or if they want to go radical, Derek Williams, 
Slide LeBron over the power forward. Look, you're not stopping Kevin Durant with your best defender, so why not put Derrick Williams on him and use his five fouls against Kevin Durant? And slide LeBron James over to a plus matchup with Draymond Green. Kevin Love at center a little bit more. That would take some pressure off of him, even though Kevin Love has probably been the best Cavalier. Uh, you know, he had 21 rebounds in game one. He's had double-digit scoring. He, he's been, had a pretty good series. Um but I do think that that adjustment can help. I do think Iman Shumpert did some good things defensively in Game 2. I certainly think that there are some adjustments that can be made to help the Cleveland Cavaliers out. But it's just a matter of how radical Ty Lue is willing to get. Down 0-2, two shellackings coming home. I certainly think now is the time to try something new. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm in full support uh, of inserting Iman Shumpert, giving him more minutes, uh, even if he doesn't come out and start right away, but leaning more to Iman Shumpert than J.R. Smith throughout the course of the game. Um, he just seems to have more energy, more defensive acumen, more athleticism. And, you know, when J.R. isn't shooting, uh, you know, it, it's hard to justify having him out there. I also think J.R. Smith at home coming off the bench instead of starting that could be a spark for for the second unit of the Cavaliers so I, I I'm in full support of that I also agree yeah Derek Williams uh is an intriguing athletic guy at the end of the bench that might be able to be uh, a NBA finals hero in a game that can you know play some meaningful defensive minutes against Kevin Durant I I, I like both of those moves definitely um, yeah, I mean, Chris, we, we were talking before uh, we, we started recording this podcast uh, last year. Around this time, we had a very similar recording. Uh, the, the Cavs were down 0-2, heading home. They, they didn't look, they didn't play particularly well uh, in the 2016 NBA Finals uh, to start off the series. And, and we said, man, they need to play for pride in, in Game 3. Come home and, and win a game for your fans because uh, as of right now, I mean, the, the the Cavs are setting themselves up to be a footnote in in, in history. Uh, the Golden State Warriors uh, are on the verge of sweeping their way through an entire NBA postseason. I mean, Chris, there are articles coming out and, and news bits coming out about are is this Warriors team the greatest team of all time? And the Cavs are are letting that narrative play out. Uh, they need to to play for pride in Game Three. LeBron needs to have a fantastic night, as do Kyrie and Kevin Love. Um, and, and make this a series. It starts with, uh, I'd say, some defensive uh, resetting yourself defensively. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times the Cavs just were caught sleeping against the Warriors. Now, I know the Warriors are great at execution and have fantastic players, but uh, stay on your man. I mean, there, there are some times where the Cavs just look completely clueless. I hope that a little home crowd, a little home cooking uh, will help them right the ship and, and make this a competitive series. Yeah, the Derrick Williams option, just talking about that a little bit more. Kevin Durant's averaging 35.5 points in two games. It don't think it matters who you put on him right now. So so the ultimate point is get LeBron off him, rest him on defense, so that way he can go to town offensively. Uh, but to your point, you're absolutely right. The Cavs cannot absolutely under no circumstances allow this team to go 16 and 0 in the postseason I don't care at this point if the Cavs win or lose the title obviously I want them to win but they cannot get swept they absolutely need to win at least one of these games 
ideally two to get this series back on track. But they have got to put the flag in the ground, stand their ground, and prevent this team from doing the 16-0 and because that, that is just unacceptable. It cannot happen on Cleveland's watch. And if it did, it would just be the ultimate insult. And, and really, it would hurt LeBron James's legacy big time if he doesn't even win a game in this NBA Finals. Yeah, it, it certainly would uh rewrite the the trajectory that that his uh legacy was going heading into this nba finals i mean there's a lot of talk about him and mj uh with durant and curry having such a fantastic season and being on such a fantastic team it it could drastically alter what we talk about over the next couple of years so yeah pride is on the line legacy history that the Cavs. uh I, i don't know if they can they can pull out this uh winning this series but they they need to uh show some strength and, and, and play for some pride out there, uh, certainly on, on game three. Uh, Chris, I mean, the Warriors, two games away from a sweep, as we said, uh, two games away from a complete NBA playoff sweep, uh, which I only thought possible in my NBA 2K simulations. Um, is there going to be a game five? Yes, I do think there will be a game five. I think the Cavs win game three. I, I'm unsure about game four because – Look, this Golden State team is good. I think it's going to be very tough to win two in a row against them. Uh, I, I think that the most likely outcome is they're down 3-1 again. I hope that they're tied the series come Monday at 2. But I do think there will be a Game 5. I don't think the Warriors will sweep. I think the Cavs will dig deep. And Game 3 is the most likely one because that's the one where you dig in the most to avoid going down 3-0. Um, because going down 3-0 is as good as getting swept uh, or losing the series because no one's ever come back from 3-0 in any playoff series, not just the NBA Finals. So I, I do think the Cavs will win one. I'm nervous about them winning two, though. Yeah, as am I. Um, you know, I think a sweep actually seems like like it, the most likely outcome right now. Um, but I, I, I don't think that the Cavs are going to just lay over like that. I do think that they're going to win game three or game four uh, actually pretty handily. Uh, you know, that was kind of how the first three games played out last year. The, the Warriors won pretty easily at home. Uh, game three goes to Cleveland and, and the Cavs pull away uh, pretty easily for, for, for the Cavs uh, in that game three. I think something similar is going to happen. But, man, those Warriors... Uh, looked so good and made the Cavs look so uh out of their league that uh I'm nervous about a sweep but with LeBron with the talent the Cavs have with them coming home and the history I know uh that that they've had coming home in the NBA finals I am confident they're going to win at least one of those games yeah obviously I'm also nervous about a sweep too I just think that Cleveland is still a very talented team, despite what they've looked like in the first two games. And LeBron has too much on the line to allow a sweep. I I cannot see them getting swept in the NBA Finals. Yeah, for sure. Well, I certainly uh, hope that comes true and that the Cavs uh, are able to avoid that sweep. Obviously, uh, Game 3 is happening later in the week, and we will check back in uh, actually when the entire NBA Finals uh, is complete because just as a programming note, uh, we are taking next week off, so uh, there will be no podcast next week. Um, but by the time we record again, the NBA Finals will certainly be over with, so we'll have uh, complete coverage of games 
three through four and uh hopefully five six <laughs> at least six um possibly seven so uh, look, look forward to that in, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, don't worry. We're not trying to shy away from talking about a NBA Finals letdown. Uh, we just uh, have a couple of uh, obligations we got to attend to next week. Uh, Bob, this kind of breaks a bit of an Iron Man streak we had going. This is like the first true week we've missed because every other week we've we've given an extra podcast, but unfortunately uh, kind of unable to do that this time around. So, Unfortunately, the streak is broken, but uh, you know we will be back. And, and no Warriors fans, we, we are definitely not trying to dodge anything. We will recap the NBA Finals, and however it may go, uh, win or lose, uh, that's that's certainly not the, not the case. But uh, always appreciate your support, so uh, we will be back. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we will uh, recap this uh, sweep or Game 7, whatever happens, we will certainly talk uh about the nba finals uh, on our next podcast uh in, in two weeks uh but moving on to the news uh some big kind of shocking news coming out earlier today chris uh, ohio state announcing that thad mata is stepping down as ohio state men's basketball coach uh, effective immediately uh chris uh this this is a uh, surprising uh for the timing and just the fact that thad mata uh, after 13 years uh is no longer gonna be the head coach yeah, he went 337 and 123 in 13 years. So, so had an excellent run with Ohio State, one of the best program or coaches in program history. Got him to the national championship game, lost to Florida. Got him to the Final Four in 2012. But, but really, ever since that last trip to the Final Four, things have slowly kind of teetered downwards. And the last two years in particular have been been quite low. Recruiting classes just haven't been what they used to be. Uh, so certainly, uh, Bob, at the end of the college basketball season, you and I, when Thad Mata wasn't fired initially, we, we both agreed that he, next year was a show-me year for him. Uh, but, but to me, that the timing of this is extremely odd, especially after Ohio State watched Indiana poach Archie Miller, who would have been an ideal successor for Thad Mata being from Dayton. His brother, Sean Miller, was an assistant under Thad Mata, so obviously a, a nice connection there from their Xavier days. Uh, he would have been the ideal successor here, and you had to have known that the guy was getting close to making a jump if you're Ohio State. I, I just think that the timing is the most surprising part. To, to dismiss him at this point in the offseason certainly is a bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, Bob, I thought he was free and clear uh, by now. Yeah, cer- certainly seemed like he survived uh, the coaching carousel this year, though. Uh, like like we said, I mean, he seemed to be uh, certainly entering 2017-2018 on the hot seat, and if he didn't get results uh, uh, or at least showed signs of improvement from uh, what was a very poor 2016-2017 season, uh, he-, he would be on his way out. So on one hand, it's not all that surprising, but the timing of it certainly is. Uh, I guess that there are some health issues with his back that I didn't really know uh, ha- existed that uh, might have been at play with this, and, and uh, that seems to have limited his health and, and ability to to coach over the past 10 years uh, is what I'm reading. So uh, that's unfortunate that that played a, f- a factor into it because, you know, Thad Mata is only 50 years old at, at this point and had coached for Ohio State for 13 years. It looked like he was... Uh, going to be a staple for Ohio State men's basketball coaching. Um, so uh, all that considered, I guess I am p- 
pretty shocked that that Thad Mata is out uh, as the Ohio State men's basketball coach. Uh, Bob, here's a what if for you. What if, now that Durant's left Oklahoma City, Billy Donovan comes to Ohio State, so the other Florida coach who robbed national champ- a national yeah. championship from Ohio State ends up coaching at Ohio State. I think that would be a poetic turn of events given that Urban Meyer is running the football program. Yeah, that would be that. That certainly would be funny. That that, oh man, I I don't know <laughs> what to think about that. Um, kind of poetic for sure. Probably not going to happen, but hey, no, it, I, it I would be funny. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, coming back to Cleveland with some Cleveland Browns moves, uh, Chris, a, a, a player-for-player trade happening in the NFL, though, with Cleveland, um, they seem to be welcoming any kind of trade, so it's not all that surprising, but they, they're dealing middle linebacker Demario Davis back to the New York Jets. That was the team from which he came to Cleveland uh, in the offseason last year for former number one overall pick safety Calvin Pryor. Uh, Chris, this seems like a win-win for for the Browns what what are you making of it well the Browns certainly need depth in the secondary they've they've added uh some guys via free agency um and and now Calvin Pryor is going to ex- you know ex- be expected to help there as well could play corner or safety you know kind of naturally a safety but with the Browns I mean uh, some guys could get thrown anywhere uh just given where their depth is uh, one thing I'm worried about is there's a report out there that's saying Calvin Pryor was not the best locker room guy in the world. Don't know how reliable that is, uh, but certainly something that concerns me if you're bringing him in, um, especially when you're trying to grow a young team. Hopefully that those report the report was just blown out of proportion or, or just some sources with an axe to grind or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, the Browns need all the help they can get in the secondary. Pryor uh, has that first-round talent. Been inconsistent with New York, hence the trade. Uh, but if he can find his footing in Greg Williams' defense, certainly will be a welcome addition to a secondary that, that really needs to get some depth. Yeah, this is a kind of a very safe risk for the Browns. Calvin Pryor uh, has a has a much higher ceiling than what Demario Davis uh, has. Uh, a former first-round pick uh, had a had a good rookie season, a good 2015. Uh, fell out of favor in 2016, and now he's uh, playing uh, on the last year of his rookie deal. So if the Browns don't like him, if the, he has locker room issues, like you uh, are alluding to, you know they can just cut him uh, or move on from him uh, at the end of this season, and they'll only be down Demario Davis, who uh, can can rack up the tackles, but. Other than that, it is not an impact middle linebacker. Um, you know, tackles are, are going to happen for, for any linebacker. Um, Demario Davis was kind of a liability in, in pass coverage and, and wasn't all that effective uh, r- rushing the passer. So uh, I'm for it. Uh, it's another, you know, low risk, high reward type situation for the Browns, which they seem to be uh, infatuated with uh, during this rebuild, which, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't hurt. So uh, I, I'm totally for it. It seems like a smart smart move for them uh, yeah anytime you can uh, take a chance on first former first round talent uh certainly something good and you're right playing on his last year of his rookie deal it's essentially a show me year for him he's on a value contract a lot to prove and so you always want to get a player who's a little bit hungry uh in your in your locker room and that's what the browns got hopefully it works out it would be great yeah, the only other questionable thing I had was that Christian Kirksey moved to outside linebacker just a few weeks ago, or at least they announced that move, uh, assuming that Demario Davis would be the starting middle linebacker. 
I, I wonder if Kirksey's going to slide back to middle linebacker or if they have their eyes on uh, somebody else filling that role from their depth chart. Certainly something that will play out in cl- training camp. That That's going to be one of the more intriguing questions is how that linebacker position is going to shake down moving back to the 4-3 under Greg Williams, uh, a move that I'm not entirely – thrilled with because I don't like switching up schemes all the time but but I totally get it you hired a defensive coordinator you knew what you were getting and then you drafted Miles Garrett so it's not like they weren't preparing for it but um you know it's certainly be interesting to see how that affects the linebacking core yeah for sure and then kind of a minor move for the Browns uh they signed Terrence McGee at running back waived running back Darius Jackson with an injury designation what are your thoughts on that I mean, kind of ho-hum, just just kind of a more back-of-the-roster transaction. Uh, Running back at the top of the depth chart seems to be pretty set for the Browns, so um, I'd be a little stunned if this had a far-reaching impact on, on the team. Yeah, it just seems like a, a roster move that they that they had to make. I don't I don't see it really impacting the, the roster either. Um, okay, we'll move into the Indians. Corey Kluber, we were excited for him to come back, and boy, did he uh, make a return with, with a fantastic debut uh, against Oakland on Thursday. Took three of four from the Athletics, uh, but then went on to lose two of three to the Royals. Uh, Chris, kind of a mixed bag in, in terms of... Uh, the, the week but Corey Kluber coming back that's certainly uh fantastic news yeah it's safe to say the Royals have the Indians number that's the second weekend in a row the Royals took the first two and then lost the third game in tremendous fashion uh so somehow the Indians can get that third game big but the first two they're still working on against the uh the Royals there but good to see them take uh, three out of four against the A's. Unfortunately, the one they lost was the game I attended uh, with my buddy Ray, and he and I found a great deal on some seats right behind home plate for 35 bucks each. So we, we, were, we were very happy other than the fact that they lost that one game on the series. But to um, focus in on Corey Kluber here, 10 strikeouts in his return, six innings, no runs, two hits, and a walk. Uh, it's safe to say that the Klubot is back and better than ever, and that is a welcome uh, addition to this rotation that needs its ace back with all that's happening with Danny Salazar and some of the inconsistencies there to get another rock-solid pitcher to go with Carlos Carrasco, who, other than the one start, uh, has been pretty rock-solid for the Tribe. I know Kansas City knocked him around a little bit, but but other than that, he's been strong. And it's encouraging to see Trevor Bauer turn things around this week. 14 strikeouts against the A's on Tuesday and a rain-shorted outing uh, on Sunday against the Royals. Uh, Trevor Bauer starting to maybe turn the corner here. Um, so, so that's another refreshing sign for the Tribe rotation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then in terms of uh, projecting the rotation a little bit further, they thought about reinserting Danny Salazar in Denver uh, against Colorado, uh, but elected to go with Josh Tomlin uh, in Coors Field. Now, Chris Tomlin's a fly ball pitcher. They're going to the most home run happy ballpark uh, in in the entire majors. Uh, Do do you agree with that move? I I do because you said that Salazar was your bullpen guy. Uh, I don't know if I would have brought him out of the bullpen so quickly. Um, So so I do. Uh, I am a little nervous about Tomlin starting in Coors Field. That is not a great pitcher's park to play in, and and he is a fly ball pitcher. So who knows what's going to happen there. And Colorado can mash it a little bit. They, they've quietly assembled a, a really good offense. So uh, 
yeah, a little nervous, but you know what? I mean, you know, you got to roll with the guy that you're standing behind, and and you you put Danny Salazar in the bullpen. I think he needs to stay there just a little bit longer, work some things out, especially with the way that Bauer's turning the corner and Clevenger has been very impressive uh, since being called up to replace Corey Kluber. So I I don't think Salazar is is ready to come back yet. Yeah, it, it seemed to be the right move. Um, I, it, I, it would be odd if they reinserted Salazar just to avoid having Tomlin pitch in that park. Um, they made the decision they need to stick with it and stick with the guy uh, that they thought would be better suited to start, and that's Josh Tomlin. Yeah, certainly, yeah. I mean, you, you made a decision, keep Salazar back there until he gets things straightened out. Salazar has the higher upside, and I do think he's going to be critical down the stretch. But right now, he's got to get things right, got to get back on track because, uh, you know, with guys turning the corner, with Clevenger being impressive, if they get Salazar on track too, maybe this rotation will start snowballing to the point where the Indians can get out of this sort of win a series, lose a series funk that they're in and start stringing together a few series wins. Uh, here in June like they did last year maybe not 14 in a row but just winning two out of three consistently yeah yeah for sure all right well it's time for uh, our fake headline Chris what do you got well my fake headline is one that's a, a dream scenario Manning fans apologize to Brady fans for making fun of Brady's support of Donald Trump because I don't know if you saw the weekend Bob but Peyton Manning had a uh, 18 holds with the Donald uh just goes to show well, I, you know, I'm a bit, everyone knows on the podcast, I cheer for the Patriots, had that thrown in my face by a lot of people during the Super Bowl. And now uh, I see Peyton Manning golfing with Donald Trump. A lot of Manning fans came after me. A lot of uh, other fans came after me and I had to hear about that a lot. So, so I, I, that's my fake headline. I don't think it's going to come true, but uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I just try to try to, you know, had to point that out there because of all, all the stuff I had to hear during that Super Bowl week. I'm uh, going to hold my tongue on all of that because uh, I don't want to extend this podcast for about 20 minutes, so I'll just move on to my headline. Um, you know, the I really want to say something about the NBA Finals, but uh, Chris, I, it's not looking good. I'm hoping for the best, so I, I'm turning my, my attention to the Indians, uh, and they have five games uh, for the rest of the week. I'm, I'm hoping for... Uh, a quick two-game sweep of the Rockies and then a uh, the sweep of the White Sox for the weekend for a perfect 5-0 and record this week. That would be fantastic. I'd be down with that. I'm going to one of the Dodgers games next week. That'll be good. And maybe maybe the one Sweet. Kershaw is pitching. If things continue to go as they go, Kershaw will be pitching the game I'm going to. But we'll see. I mean, a lot can happen. Nice. I don't know if the Dodgers will move things around by then. What happened last time you saw Clayton Kershaw pitch? I did see a no-hitter. So, And actually, yeah. it's almost the anniversary of the no-hitter. Cool, man. Yeah, I just looked it up, man. It will be almost – I mean, June 18th was that no-hitter, and it, that'll be the Wednesday, June 14th. And, and the game I saw was a Wednesday, so it's probably the same time in the calendar, the same Wednesday in the calendar. So, man, that would be kind of creepy if, if it happened that way. Hopefully I don't witness another Kershaw no-hitter because they're playing the Tribe, but – admittedly it would be kind of cool to witness a no hitter yeah no i mean I, that's like a win-win situation you know either your team wins or you get to witness some history but all righty guys well uh, sorry to bring you down this week with the uh depressing nba finals talk uh hopefully the Cavs will give us some more optimism hey hopefully we're talking about a championship next time because unfortunately we're off next week 
Uh, we're, again, we're not trying to dodge Warriors fans or anything. We will be back. Full recap of the NBA Finals two weeks from now. But until then, please check out FenleyRoadSports.com. You can hear all of our archived Klee Talk podcast episodes. Check out our blog, Land of the Klee. Some good stuff up there as well. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Search Fenley Road Sports. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, via FenleyRoadSports.com. Or you can search Fenley Road Sports in iTunes and click Klee Talk. We thank you for your support. Hope you'll be back in a couple weeks from now. And we will definitely be back with another episode of Klee Talk and hopefully talking about back-to-back NBA championships. But until then, go Cavs and go Tribe. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Cavs. Take it easy, Bob.